Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. I think a lot of us can relate to what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church in Rome when he said, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Paul says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And many of us could say, been there, done that. And I don't know what struggles you come in here with today, but most of us would concede that there's something that we are struggling with. Could be selfishness, uh, overspending, gambling, drinking, drugs, addiction, anger, laziness. We know that pornography is a big problem in our culture. It could be pride. And whatever it is, maybe this week even you said, that's the last time. I'm never doing that again. And then it's not the last time. Maybe you've said it will be different next time. That's the last time that I give in. And once again, we can cycle back to what Paul writes. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Christ and whatever that temptation, it, it, whatever that temptation is, you don't want it to get the best of you even one more time. And you don't want that temptation to hold you back from going after your God-given purpose. Or maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm actually coming in as an outsider, really. I'm an outsider of the faith looking in. Maybe you uh, have come here and you've been invited and we want you to know that we're thankful you're here. Uh, My first time coming back to church after college was because a coworker invited me. There's power in an invitation. So we're thankful that you're here. And I also would say, uh, just to let the tension out of the room, you probably won't agree with everything that I say. And that's okay. In fact, there's a lot of times the church people don't agree with everything that I say. But I want you to know that my heart is to teach the word of God, not my opinions. And and that's actually a good thing for me because if I am honoring the word of God when I teach, if I teach the word of God with integrity, then if you don't agree, you're actually not... disagreeing with my opinions, you have something to take up with the Lord and you can talk to him about all of that. So today we reach the finish line of our series, Relevant, How God Speaks. We've said that in our culture, what is relevant today is often obsolete tomorrow. What is relevant today is replaced by what is better, by what is easier, by what is faster, by what is stronger. Yet totally counterculturally, The Bible, the scripture that makes up the 66 books in our Bible is just as relevant today as the day that that scripture was written, which is incredible. God speaks to us 
through the Bible. Why is the Bible relevant? Because that's how the Lord speaks to us. In fact, you've probably heard the Bible described as the word of God. Last week, we talked about this question that Jesus asked a crowd that was gathered around him, and he's asking us this question today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And in that, we see that it is the heart of Jesus that we would not just be really good listeners, that we would not just be really good hearers, but that we would be people who live out our faith with action, that we would be people who are doers of the word. In fact, if you think about maybe you um, have been a teacher or you've raised children, uh, action is evidence of listening. That if I say something to my children and there's no action, it's like, were you even listening? Did you, because there's no action, there's no evidence that you even heard what I said. So our actions are evidence of the fact that we are listening to what God speaks. And by listen, I mean that we read the word of God. Uh, what connects today to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, yes, Jesus speaks truth. Everything that Jesus says is true. But beyond just being a speaker of truth, Jesus made this very bold assertion and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he asserts that, I, that he doesn't just speak truth, but that everything about him is truth. He is the embodiment of truth. The opposite today, the opposite today of the truth that is Jesus Christ is the liar who is the devil. The temptations that we might bring today that we say get the best of us. What we're going to see today, church, consistently loading the word of God into our mind, into our heart, into our soul, consistently loading the word of God into our life is our best defense mechanism and even weapon against the lies, deceit, and the temptations of the enemy. Now, when we say the devil is a liar, uh, you may come in here today with the belief that Satan the enemy, the devil, uh, is not actually a living being. Rather, that culture would just use those titles, Satan, the devil, the enemy, as more symbolic uh, representations of evil. And I, I bring this up because if, if that's the thought or the belief that you'd bring in today, I would first tell you that you're not alone. In fact, a Barna study found that four out of ten Christians four out of 10 Christians strongly agree with the statement that Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. Now that study was done back in 2009. And uh, although it sounds kind of strange to say 2009 is a long time ago for some of us, uh, that is more than a decade ago, yet we would be actually surprised if those numbers have gotten better over time. It could also be that if you hear the title devil, that your mind goes to a cartoon that you watched as a child uh, where the main character has two little creatures pop up on one on each shoulder and one is an angel with a halo that's trying to convince the character to do what is right and the other is uh, the devil character that is a little guy dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork trying to persuade whatever that character, whoever that character is to do something that is not good. 
What I would want us to see today is that the authors of Scripture, the authors of Scripture unequivocally write about Satan as if Satan is a real being, as if Satan is at work today in the darkness and the shadows of culture, that, dark, that the, the devil is the source of evil on mission to keep people who do not already have relationship with their heavenly father from having relationship with their heavenly father. And the enemy is at work today attempting to keep people who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ to keep you from your God-given purpose. And Jesus certainly speaks about the enemy as if the enemy is real. What we're going to see today in Luke chapter 4, in fact, I invite you to open up or power up with me to Luke chapter 4. It's always a great idea to bring your word with you to church. And a lot of us like to bring a little notepad or take notes in our phone as the Holy Spirit would drop some specific things into our heart and our mind as we look at the word together. So Luke chapter 4 records an encounter that Jesus has with the devil. And this encounter is described by Luke as a real life encounter between Jesus and a real life enemy, not some sort of metaphor. So as you're turning to Luke chapter four, I wanna show you one verse in John chapter eight. You don't need to turn there, but I wanna show you this verse because in this verse, Jesus gives us a short to the point description of the devil and how the enemy operates. The little context to John chapter eight, Jesus is having this back and forth with the, this group and he is accusing them of being people who are trapped in sin and trapped in religious rituals, in a mob mentality, indifferent to Jesus teaching and in part of his rebuke of this crowd, Jesus says, John chapter eight, verse 44, <laughs> You would not want Jesus to say this to you, by the way. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. And here comes a succinct summary of who the enemy is and how the enemy operates. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy, the devil, Satan, according to Jesus, the devil's way leads to death. He takes away spiritual life. This word that is translated into our English Bibles as liar, if you were to look at the word in the original language, it carries a greater depth of meaning that it, it means one who breaks faith, one whose path leads to brokenness, one who is false, one who lacks faith. So in that verse, Jesus helps us understand who the enemy is and how the enemy operates. Now let's look together at Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, what has happened right before this moment, Jesus has been baptized in water, in the river, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and there is the voice from heaven, this is my son. Immediately after that, Luke chapter four, verse one, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil 
and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he, Jesus, was hungry. This is familiar scripture to many of us. Maybe it's brand new. Either way, maybe we have this mental picture when we read that Jesus had this 40-day fast and at the end he's hungry. Maybe we have this mental picture that Jesus is weak and worn down, physically broken, and stumbles into the desert with barely enough strength, mustering up just enough to conquer the enemy's temptations. But look at what Luke says. Luke says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's not operating with a quarter tank. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not dragged by the enemy into the wilderness. Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. Church, Jesus is on offense, not defense. This is an intentional confrontation of the work of the enemy. Jesus confronting the devil is truth confronting lies. So here the devil tempts to be tempted to be tempted is to look at or to give into what is good for the moment, but the price to be paid will be eventual guilt, regret, brokenness, hurt, destruction. To be tempted is to say yes to what is satisfactory to the moment, but will ultimately lead to ruin. And so Jesus will be tempted. What we will see is that Jesus' strength to overcome the temptation of the enemy does not come from diet and exercise. Now, diet and exercise are good things. We believe in taking care of our physical bodies. But Jesus is not equipped, or Jesus does not use his physical health to defeat the enemy's temptations. Fasting, fasting demonstrates that Jesus defeats lies with the word, not with physical strength. What we'll see is that Jesus' strength to over overcome the devil's temptations is sourced in scripture. Let's look together. Here's temptation number one of three, Luke 4, 3. The devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, Luke has made sure, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we know that Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And in case we were, had any question, he is hungry. Now, this, about this time of the day, we get close to lunch. And so this particular service, you can maybe relate to the feeling of hunger more than the earlier services. We might say we're hungry if lunch goes too far past noon and here's Jesus he has been fasting for 40 days and here the enemy tempts him saying turn this stone into bread mm, wouldn't that be good wouldn't that be good yet Jesus answers Luke 4 4 and Jesus answers him it is written man shall not live by bread alone quoting scripture that's Deuteronomy 8 3 you see the devil will exploit physical needs, physical weaknesses, physical desires to come against our devotion to God. That's what's happening here. Now, Jesus does not say when the enemy tempts him, Jesus does not say, let me go find the scrolls and let me look up a scripture to come back at what you just offered me. He already knows. He already knows. Jesus already knows the word because he is the word. He is truth. 
Well, what this means for us, most often, we are unlikely to go to the Bible in the pressure and the passion of the moment. We need to know it before we're in the pressure and the passion of the moment. If you're in a dating relationship, let me just say, if you're in a dating relationship and you're sitting next to your parents right now, it may be just a little weird, a little awkward laughter, that's okay. So you're in a dating relationship, you're with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you're kissing on the couch, things are getting whatever, there's all that energy that's running through your body. Let's stop right now and see what the Bible says about what we're doing. <laughs> Said no one ever in that moment. Now, if we look at the word, we see in Hebrews 13, 4, that the, the Bible says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. But we need to know that word in advance. See, if it is your desire, if it is your desire as a, a person who is single or who is dating, if it is your desire to honor your eventual marriage in the way that you are dating, you have to decide in advance how you're going to live that out. You have to decide your boundaries in advance before you're in the pressure or the passion of the moment because in the passion of the moment, you're probably not going to stop to say, let's look at the word together for a moment. Temptation number two, Luke chapter four, verses five and six. And the devil took Jesus up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will. <laughs> and the enemy says, if then you will worship me, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Um, <laughs> let's just pause to point out Deuteronomy 10.4 says the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. <laughs> so the enemy is offering Jesus what is already his and what can be taken back at any moment. But, but the application for us, church, is that not every promotion, not every opportunity to increase in influence is from the Lord. Here the enemy demonstrates that he has the power to give promotion or to the power to give increased influence and it is certainly not from God. You see, the devil is a tempter and the devil is also a deceiver. We've talked about temptation. Temptation is to be invited to do something that is good, feels good for the moment, but will ultimately cause hurt and regret and sadness and brokenness. Deception, deception is to be misled to believe that something is true, something is good, something is valuable when actually it's not true, it's not valuable, and it's not in your best interest. That's deception. One of the heart reasons that we believe in our partnership with Project Rescue has a lot to do with deception. Project Rescue is bringing girls, boys, and women out of sex trafficking in cities around the world. And so much of what happens in sex trafficking is built on deception. Many of you have heard this before. What often happens is that 
sex traffickers will go into impoverished villages and they will promise families that in exchange for a, a small amount of money, they will take your son, they will take your daughter, they will go to a foreign country, they will go to the big city and your son or your daughter will be given a job being a nanny for a wealthy family in a mansion or your daughter will be given a job working at a fine hotel or your son will be given work serving in a nice restaurant, there'll be money that can be sent back home and your child will be given a better life. Yet, after the child is taken away, they are brought to a large city, they are brought to a foreign country only to be sold into trafficking into work as a slave in conditions that are far worse than many of us could ever, ever imagine. Deception. Deception. Now many of us can't even imagine the horror of that, yet we still would say that we have experienced deception at some level in our life, and no one likes the feeling of being deceived. It is an awful, awful feeling when we realize that we have been taken advantage of, when we have been convinced of something that is not true, when we have been led to believe a lie. Eric Metaxas writes about deception in his book, Letter to the American Church. He challenges those of us who are Christ followers today to speak out on issues in present day that matter to God. Sometimes this is easier to see when we look at injustices of the past and it's more difficult when we're actually challenged to speak out against what is in contrast to God's word that is happening in our culture today. Yet Metaxas challenges us that if we don't, as followers of Christ, speak out about what is in opposition to the word of God, then we ourselves are actually deceived about what God would have us to do. He writes that today very young children in schools are being fed ideas on the subjects of sexuality, ideas that their minds are unable to cope with, and ideas that so often their parents object to. Yet there are policies being put into place in school districts, not just far away, but close by, that prevent educators and even caring teachers. There are policies that are being put into place that are preventing these educators from being able to call home and say, you need to know about what your son or daughter is going through. The Lord did not design the government to be the parents of our children. Older children and teens are being so confused by what we might describe as sexual activists that teenagers are agreeing to have their bodies mutilated so they can never become the men and women who God created them to be. This is not about taking a political side. It's about understanding the biblical side. And again, this is just for those of us who are Christians in the room. If we're not going to say, this is what the word of God speaks about the decisions that we're making, if we will not speak up, then church, who will? The Bible says, you knit me together in my mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says Jesus uh, had this response. Jesus has this response to those who would intentionally lead children into sin. Jesus says, if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me, to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. 
I, I simply would lovingly tell you, if you are in any way leading children or teenagers down a path that brings them farther away from God, that pushes them away from the truth of the word, that draws them farther away from Jesus Christ, the Lord does not look kindly upon that. Jesus does not react kindly to those who would lead children towards sin. So the enemy, <laughs> the enemy promises to give Jesus the kingdoms, the authorities, and the glory. And all that Jesus has to do in exchange is worship the devil. <laughs> Jesus says, verse 8, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This probably goes without saying, but I will go ahead and say it. Uh, if there is any arrangement that you are involved in and what you need to do in response to receive whatever is offered to you is worship the devil, do not take that deal. <laughs> if you are offered something and what you are expected to do in response is satanic worship, please run away from that agreement. Don't pause just realize that that's not for you. The last of the three temptations, Luke chapter four, verse nine, the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. What an attempt to trap or to coerce Jesus. Uh, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's like, if, you're not the, if you don't throw yourself down from here, then that's telling us that you're not the son of God. This is uh, kind of like saying, dads, if you love your children, run into oncoming traffic. Now dads, I've said this, this is the third time I've said this today, dads, if your child was in the road, grand, grandpas, if your grandchild was in the road, you would not hesitate to run out into that street and put your body between oncoming traffic and your son or your daughter. But you would not do that simply to test the Lord. The devil says, verses 10 and 11, for it is written his angels concerning you to guard you. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Oh, now the enemy's quoting scripture. Psalm 91. Maybe you've encountered something. It sounds kind of biblical. It sounds a little bit Christian. Church, this is where we need to be equipped with the word of God to discern, is this really the word of God? Is this scripture being used as it was intended or is it being twisted? See, the enemy will twist and manipulate scripture. Luke 4.12, Jesus answers him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. Now, any one of these temptations, any one of these deceits, 
Jesus could have called down the armies of heaven to come against the devil. But what Jesus demonstrates in this moment is that the enemy and the enemy's deceptions and deceits can be defeated using scripture and scripture alone. Verse 13, and when the devil ended every temptation, he departed. He departed from Jesus until the opportune time. See, the intentions of the devil are to lie and kill and destroy. And did you see this? The enemy departed. What did Jesus use to cause the enemy to flee? He used scripture. And praise God, you and I have access to the same scripture that Jesus used to cause the enemy to flee. Maybe you've never heard the Bible described as a weapon. Hebrews 4.12 describes the word as being sharper than a sword, two-edged sword. This is what Jesus used to cause the enemy to flee, and we have access to the same tool. It also says this, that the devil fled until an opportune time. Church, the enemy is always going to be looking for an opportunity to keep those who are already followers of Christ from pursuing their God-given purpose. And the enemy is always going to be looking for an opportunity to keep those who do not have relationship with Jesus already from making that commitment. So what do we do? Very simply, preloading the word. Preloading the word equips Christ followers to identify deception and temptation putting the word into our heart-minded soul in advance of the t temptation and the deception. So my encouragement, church, today is simply be in your word. Be a person who is in your word. I pray that what we teach here on Sunday mornings is life-giving and encouraging to you. But to be in the word only during this 30-minute time frame on Sunday morning, it's not enough. Please, church, take responsibility on your own to read the word, take notes, memorize scripture, put it into your heart. I see uh, Ruth and Tim Backer here today, and I know I didn't give you a heads up that I was going to say your name. Ruth is looking up at me like, what are you going to say, Pastor? This is a couple that has given so much of their life to training kids up in junior Bible quiz. Bring your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren to Junior Bible Quiz. We have seen this method proven as a way of embedding scripture into the hearts of children to uh, teaching kids essential biblical truths. Uh, Ruth, just this week, I talked to one of our leading missionaries who is making an impact all over Africa, and he said, I am a missionary today directly related to being involved in the scripture that I learned through Junior Bible Quiz. We believe in this method, and uh, this, see, there's something, we already know this, that, that, that kids at younger ages have the ability to absorb and retain information a lot better than we can when we get older. And so we want to um, bring our children to the Bible at a very early age. Our kids don't just do, uh, they're not just babysat while we do church. We believe that uh, God has something to do in the lives of people at every single age. Also this week, 
I uh, spoke to a friend who said, I've been a believer for a long time, but I've never read the Bible cover to cover. So he said, this year, my wife and I and another small group, we are going to, we, I've already started, we are reading the Bible together. Our commitment is to do this in a small group, cover to cover. If you've done that before, you know the value. If you've never done that before, it's not too late. You do not have to wait to January 1, 2024 to start. You could start one year in the Bible today and there are many plans and methods and guides that will help you walk through the Bible in one year in a way that is practical and meaningful and will not get you stuck in the law and you wanna give up. So uh, I encourage you to find a one-year Bible reading plan that will work for you. All right. This concept of being people who are preloaded, who people who live full of the Holy Spirit and filled with scripture to face temptation and deception. If you have ever cared for a baby, your child, your niece, your nephew, uh, you've been a babysitter. If you've ever cared for a child, you already know the value of being preloaded. Let me show you. I would like to thank Hunter Snyder for letting me borrow his diaper bag today. <laughs> diaper bags have come a long way, haven't they, Tara? What's in the diaper bag? Do you remember, those of you who are caring for babies right now, do you remember what happened when you wanted to leave the house before you had children? You just said, let's leave the house. And then you left the house. And if you're first time parents, you're like, I had no idea that we needed this many things just to leave the house. Hunter has his snacks, superfood puffs, organic grain snack, banana and pumpkin flavor. And parents, these are for your baby, but we've all eaten these sometimes. <laughs> they melt in your mouth. <laughs> Diapers, two. <laughs> wipes. I've heard many parents commit to say, even when we don't need a diaper bag, we're gonna carry wipes. These are so useful. a rag, a towel that can be used for many purposes to wipe clean what may come out of any end. That's good. <laughs> Some toys, something to, a teething carrot. And some of you parents have learned this the hard way. You always bring an extra outfit Amen. <laughs> got more amens for that than anything else I talked about today. <laughs> I, I actually learned this lesson the hard way. We used to live by a mall and one of our children was just learning how to walk and uh, I thought, let's just go over to the mall and we'll walk around a little bit and it's so close, we're just not going to bring anything. We are in the mall for minutes and there is a diaper explosion. <laughs> so there I am in the JCPenney bathroom cleaning the child. And I actually think I did a pretty good job of fashioning a makeshift diaper out of paper towel and toilet paper. 
to get that child home. <laughs> See, everything that's in the diaper bag is either for what will certainly happen or for what might happen. Everything in the diaper bag is there for what will certainly happen or for what might happen. And parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, babysitters, maybe you learned the hard way. Either way, you would say, you would never leave home with the baby without the diaper bag. Yet followers of Christ, why is it so often that we will set out into the world without being loaded with the word of God? Why is it so often that we will leave with our scripture tanks empty? Because the temptation will come, the deceit will come, and let's be a faith family that is ready, that is ready. Now, some of you are thinking, did we really just go from talking about Satan to diaper bags? How did that even happen? There is a, a line that some of you will recognize from a movie, but it actually goes back decades or even centuries. It's been said, this line has been said um, in various ways by authors, by pastors, by newspaper columnists, by authors. And the line goes something like this. The greatest trick of the devil is convincing the world that he does not exist. The greatest deception of the enemy is convincing culture that he does not exist. Why would we settle for counterfeit truth and deception? Lies. When we can live as people in the light of our Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're not quite sure how you ended up here, but somehow the Holy Spirit has been working today and you might say what, what's been spiritual blinders have been lifted and you see the enemy for who he is and you've gone down the path of deception, you've gone down the path of temptation and you've saw, you've experienced, you've lived where that's led and you say, I don't want to go down that path anymore. And maybe it's your heart today that you no longer want to live following the enemy's lies. Today can be a day of new life for you. Today can be a day when you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to live as one who follows the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Another way of understanding that verse is Jesus saying, I am the only true way to life. There's no other way but through me. If you're able, in our final moments together, would you stand with me, please? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful that no matter what culture, no matter what the world may say, uh, your word very clearly tells us that there is an actual spiritual enemy that is actively running in opposition to your plans and is actively trying to keep followers of Christ from their God-given purpose. 
We're thankful that it's not an even fight. We're thankful that the victory has already been won, that the penalty of death has already been defeated for all who would place their faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. Maybe you're here today and you would say, uh, I, once in my spiritual journey, I was committed to daily Bible reading, but it's been a long time. And God is saying, it's time to get back in your word. It's no longer live with your scripture tank empty. Be a person who's filled with the word every day. Maybe there's a temptation and it keeps getting the best of you. It keeps getting the best of you. And you said, there's not going to be a next time. Not again. Not next Friday. I'm not going to look there again. I'm not going to drink that again. I'm not going to take that again. Yet that temptation keeps resurfacing its ugly head. Well, today, church, we're not just praying for a suppression of temptation. We're praying that as your spirit is filled with the word of God, that that temptation would be eradicated and would never come back in the name of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, I no longer want to live under the deception and the lies of the enemy. I see the enemy for who he is. And today I stand with truth. Then right now in this moment, I encourage you to pray to your heavenly father, father in heaven, father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I no longer want to live under the deceit of the enemy. My eyes have been opened. That's right. Tell your heavenly father this. I see the enemy for who he is. I've experienced the hurt, the brokenness, the pain, the regret of following the lies. Today I stand on the truth. Tell your heavenly father, today I stand on the truth that is Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus the rest of my life. I leave my life of sin in the past. I'm repenting, I'm repenting. I'm turning from what is against you, Father, and I'm running after you. And I thank you, Father, that you are waiting with open arms. How grateful we are, Father, that you gave us your relevant word that wasn't just relevant for one time in history, but is your living and active word, alive and relevant for our lives today, ready to show us the way to hope, show us the way to truth, so that we can live in the greatest measure of peace and the greatest measure of joy. In your name, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.